listening to Simmering Thoughts, a weekly podcast where host Ryan Akers welcomes you to sit back and enjoy slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. This week on Simmering Thoughts, we discuss social media. How should we use our social media? What should we point to in our use of social media that is useful to the kingdom of God? This is a break from our current series, What is Man? We will return to that series next week. Before we begin that discussion, you have just enough time to grab your Bible, find yourself a comfortable chair, maybe even something to drink, and enjoy this episode of Simmering Thoughts. Welcome back to Simmering Thoughts. My name is Ryan Akers, and I am the host of this program. And today, not only am I the host, but I am the only voice you will hear on the program. We do not have a guest this week uh, for a variety of reasons, mostly as we've been trying to get some guests lined up. We just haven't been able to get anything uh, that that meets everybody's schedules at this point. So hopefully next week we will have our guest with us and we will be prepared to move forward in our series on what is man. This week, we are going to take a break from that. We'll call it our halftime break, blow the whistle, send the teams off to the locker room. And in the process, we will go over a game plan and talk about how we do this thing called being a Christian and specifically with the context of social media. And it's not often that on Simmering Thoughts, we take social media as a topic. And we're not going to do this often. We're not going to get into the debates of social media. We're not going to get into the hot topics of the moment. And right now, there are many that are floating around. There are at least three or four major discussions going on right now that have to do with the church. And they're all important in their own way. But I think it's also important that we take the time in the midst of that to slow down a little bit and think about our process, our method, and our reason for being on social media and for sharing our messages with others and whether we actually want them to hear us or whether we want them to ignore us in the process. And I think understanding why you're on social media is one of the biggest keys to how we use social media and going from using it in a way that is life-giving in a way that is encouraging to others, in a way that's going to edify others, and using it in a way that is going to tear down what others uh, are doing. That's going to tear down them in their own sight and in the sight of others. There is so much damage we can do on social media. And unfortunately, when we do that damage, we do disservice to the one we represent. And as Christians, we ought to be representing Christ. And we ought to be representing the Word of God and we ought to be displaying the gifts of the Spirit. And we talked about the gifts of the Spirit last year, and we're going to probably touch on some of the same ideas tonight, but it's going to sound a little bit different because we are focusing specifically toward social media and the different things that happen in the process of us using social media. There is a lot that goes into it. We get input from all sorts of different sources, worldly sources, sources that are within the church, uh, some that are sources that are just strict Bible verses. Sometimes folks post Bible verses that are out of context or in context, and we may or may not agree with the usage that somebody is making with a Bible verse. And we certainly have all of the different political discussions and the societal discussions and the television shows and movies and things that are going on that Christians get involved with uh, in social media. We talk about it 
Uh, and I think understanding what social media is and how it operates is one of these keys to understanding how we should approach it. So we're going to start with talking about what I see social media as from my viewpoint. What is it that we're doing? And I think of a lot of different uh, conversational settings that we engage in. There are one-on-one -on -one conversations where uh, I might be sitting across a table for some, from someone uh, and having a cup of coffee. We're just talking through. Or it might be that I'm taking a walk with somebody and we're talking through something. It might be a moment where uh, someone is in error and another one is correcting them, but we do it face-to-face, one-on-one conversations. There are many of those that happen in social media in a variety of different ways, primarily through direct messaging or private messaging, depending on what platform you're using. They'll call them similar things to that. And those one-on-one -on -one conversations are very important. Those are, are ways that we can communicate to each other. We can correct someone, redirect a, a little bit. We can gather information that way. We can encourage someone that way. So those one-on-one -on -one conversations are good. We also have small group conversations. If you think about uh, maybe it's after church and you're standing in the parking lot with a group of two or three or five, or maybe in the, the lobby or in the, the whatever the gathering places inside your church, you might be sitting and talking to several folks or standing there and having a conversation and everybody has a little bit of input and the conversation kind of moves from topic to topic as things go along. There are also times where we have large group discussions where uh, someone is speaking and a, a group is gathered and there's you know eight or 10 or 15 people that are involved and they're sharing ideas back and forth. I like to think of this mainly more as a, uh, a public eating area. Maybe you're at a picnic ground or, or you're thinking like a cafeteria style eating place where everybody's able to, to communicate and talk, but there are people walking past. There are different folks who can chime in as they go past. You might accumulate people into the conversation as you go. And then there's social media, which at times masquerades like a one-on-one -on -one conversation that's really not. Or it might masquerade as a three or four person conversation when it's really not. And we understand that because it is a public conversation, there is not a one-on-one -on -one point to it because others are listening. We, we are never just posting to the person we're posting to. There are always other people looking. And let's think about some of those other people. There are a lot of different audiences that show up in social media. Uh, for example, in a Twitter conversation, there are all of my friends that are watching. Anybody who follows my feed can read what it is I'm saying to someone else. <clears throat> if I tag that other person in the conversation, if, if I'm having a one-on-one -on -one type conversation on the timelines in Twitter, then all of my followers and all of that person's followers are going to see absolutely everything we say. And if they click, if anybody in that list clicks on the little heart and likes the post or chimes in with even just one comment, now we open up that many more folks who are invited into our conversation, whether we invited them ourselves or not. And that's where we struggle sometimes with perspective of understanding what our audience is. And in social media, who is your audience is so easy to forget. You forget sometimes who it is that you're discussing things with. Is it everyone or is it just one or three people? Easy to get confused, easy to get distracted. So how do we, how do we work through this? 
Well, for one, we have to remember that it is a public conversation. We are not in a closed room. We are not in a, in a place where there are no eavesdroppers. No, actually, we're in a place where there are millions of eavesdroppers, potentially. Folks who agree with us and those who don't. There are those who will totally ignore the conversation as they walk past because they're just not interested in what somebody else says. And then there is those who, as they walk past, they're listening to kind of pay attention and, and they might stop and join the conversation. And there are a variety of different responses we can have in those moments. I've seen everything from someone getting chewed out for joining into a conversation and told basically, this conversation does not involve you. Stay out. That's really hard to do in a public conversation. And a lot of people try to do it on Twitter and on Facebook as well. You know, on Facebook, as you're con conversing with someone, all of your friends have a chance of seeing that show up on their timeline and all of the other persons as well. And if you tag anybody in, as you all know, or like it or anything like that, it, it expands and it grows. That's one of the geniuses of social media, but it's also one of the fallbacks. It's one of the, the, the places where there's some drawback that we don't always think about. And so you're having a public conversation. With a public conversation, there are no rules that say someone can't chime in. If you're standing in a parking lot having a conversation and someone walks by who's well known to both of you, they might chime in. If it's somebody who's only known to one of you, they may also join the conversation. They may just stand and listen for a while. And in social media, that's accepted and that's normal. And in fact, that is exactly how it's set up to operate is to invite those extra people in to the conversation. Oh, how we get that confused. And then there are some times where you're actually speaking. It's almost like giving a speech where you stand up on your soapbox and you speak and you, you say something that you intend for everyone to hear. Sometimes you're seeking a response and sometimes you're not. Unfortunately, the audience doesn't always know. They don't know whether you're reaning to have them respond or whether you just intend to be speaking to an open air area with nothing else. And so very often we think of social media as a closed thing when it seems like as we think about it now that it's much more like open air preaching or open air speech making where we are in the public and we're speaking out loud so that others can interact with us. And whether we mean them to respond or whether we mean them to be silent and let us finish, we have to communicate that. We have to communicate it better than sometimes we do. There are those who make these really long threads or on Facebook, you know, the, the five paragraph monster posts. Uh, Twitter, I just read uh, today already at least three threads that were over 20 posts. I even once saw <laughs> within the last little bit, I saw a thread that was 99 posts for a thread. No, I did not read all 99 I clicked in long enough to see the last five. I glanced at them, did not read them, noted what it was, scrolled up a ways. And by the time I scrolled up to 50, I figured out what it was and I just walked away because I'm not going to take the time. If you're going to post it that way, I'm not interested. And if somebody is speechifying on the side of the street and they're going on and on and on and on and on and they're almost filibustering the conversation or the area that they're in they're they're speaking a speech that 
everybody in the area is going to be focused in and they have to listen. Well, we don't have to listen because we have the ability to walk away. Even in social media, we have the ability to walk away. We have the ability to say to the person speaking, I'm not going to listen. We have those options. We have the option to engage. We have the option to listen. We have the option to ignore. We have the option to be an observer and we have an option to be in, involved in the conversation and turn it into a conversation. And sometimes the speaker wants that and sometimes they don't. And unfortunately, when we, when we are the person doing the speaking, we're not clear as to which it is we're looking for. And because we're not clear on that, our audience doesn't know. That clarity in audience, defining your audience and defining your purpose are so important to social media. And really, it's important even in podcasting. And that's something that I've kind of failed at uh, in speaking about simmering thoughts with everyone and in, in speaking about what it is we're going to do during the course of an episode, what you might expect, uh, what the goal of this whole thing is in the first place. And I've kind of gotten, uh, gotten stuck in thinking through how I'm using the podcast. And I don't mean stuck in a bad way, but I've been uh, going through and thinking about it regularly, what it is that we are trying to accomplish with simmering thoughts, trying to uh, almost a, a purpose behind it. And, and I had a purpose from the very beginning. It was simply an opportunity for me to take some things that I had been contemplating, that I've been thinking about deeply and have a conversation with someone over those things and share that with others that might help them process through at um, not necessarily a high theological level. We're not going for master's degrees in theology here, but we still need to talk about these theological concepts and we need to talk about it in a way that, that deals with what a churchgoer deals with. We all deal with the fruit of the spirit. We all deal with what does it mean to be a man? We all deal with how to study the Bible. The things that we've talked about on our episodes are not unique to those who are uh, what some might call theology, uh, theology nerds, theology geeks. I hate those types of terms, but those who are focused in theology, theology hobbyists, theology professionals. We don't have to have every conversation at that level, but it's important to wrestle with the ideas of them nonetheless. And that's what we've done on Simmering Thoughts. And so in kind of talking about that idea of having a purpose behind our social media, and a podcast is a form of social media, certainly. I think trying to wrestle with who is my audience and, and it, it, what am I trying to say and to whom am I trying to say it? Uh, I kind of came stumbled upon even in answering a different question to someone uh, uh, of a way of wording it that I think makes really good sense. And I, I, I hope it makes sense to you as well. And it might show up in the web page. It might show up on social media at some point. But it's basically the idea of finding and sharing wisdom from those who have it and to share that with those who are seeking that wisdom. And that we would encourage and edify believers in the slow growth and the hard work of discipleship and sanctification. And so when we're saying uh, as, our, as our theme statement that we're going to sample slow cooked thinking on Christian life and theology, that's exactly what we mean. That, that growth in the Christian life and the deepening of our understanding of theology and applying those things together 
to the listener and really even to the speakers. Uh, and, and so to take that idea and to be intentional about that. And I think sometimes uh, as we're on social media, there are some of us that are just there to waste some time. Literally, it's there to be a time suck. It's supposed to be something that we're kind of able to do mindlessly. And there are many folks who use uh, social media that way. And that's not a false way to use social media. In fact, in some ways, that's what it's designed to be. But there's another layer that we could take it to, to take it from just being a bit of relief from the day to sort of redeem the time as we have a phrase to steal uh, straight out of the scriptures, to take the time that we're using for that relaxation and to use it for more than just chilling out, but to actually use it to edify and encourage one another. And yes, sometimes that means we're the one that's bringing a complaint or that we're frustrated or we've had a rough day or whatever's going on in our life. And we uh, mention it on social media and that gives our friends an opportunity to lift us up. Kind of a, a Galatians 6 type situation where we're bearing one another's burdens. We can enter into prayer with one another. So often I see posts that come out. And someone will mention a problem that's happening in their life, whether it's a medical situation or jobs or whatever it happens to be, something they know about in their church or they're praying for their pastor or uh, any number of other situations. And you see the body come together and pray. Even those that are there just for casual reasons, they see someone in need and they step alongside and they help lift them up. And that's what we ought to. That is a use of social media that is fantastic. It's wonderful to see that it it allows us to share in each other's sufferings, but also even uh, when we have great days and we celebrate things. Now we're sharing in each other's joys. And that's, again, a place where social media, we can lift someone else up and we can join them in their uh, celebration and, and we can support them. We also have times where we we say things wrong. We don't get uh, everything quite right. We, we cross over from uh, being social and having fun, uh, maybe we start joking and we get a little bit too personal with a joke. Well, how do we respond to that when the person responds back to say, Hey, that didn't, that didn't go so well. That didn't come across the way you intended it. How are we going to respond when we overstep our bonds of friendship? How are we going to deal with it when we break a friendship by our actions? Are we going to say, you know, yeah, kind of messed up. I was, I was not thinking I said something wrong and I apologize. Are we going to say that? Or are we going to do what I've seen some folks do, which is to double back and simply say, well, you just need to take it because I was just telling you, I was just being joking and you just need to take it that way. Sometimes jokes don't come off as jokes and we, we hurt other folks and that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to crush other people. We're called to build them up and to edify them, not squish them down. And it's hard to do. It is so hard on social media because we are bombarded by a list of things that folks are posting. And in the, in the mix of everything that comes across our feeds, some reason draws us to a particular post and we respond to it. And how we respond makes all the difference in the world. And, and this is where I want to go dig into scripture. And we want to look at some things that are said for us to do 
that have to do with how we respond to the things that come to us in our day. No matter who our audience is, whether we're speaking to unbelievers or believers, whether it's a big audience or a small audience, whether it is a time that we are trying to evangelize, a time we're trying to edify, a time that we're just trying to blow off some time. If we think about these things, we will improve how we communicate and we will make it easier so that when it is time for us to speak a correction to someone, when we when we get to a point where it's time to uh, draw a line in the sand about a, a topic, well, then we've earned the right for others to hear us. We've earned the ability to have a voice that is trustworthy, that others will listen to. And I want to start with Colossians 4. It's, uh, the end of Colossians is one of my favorite areas. I go to it regularly. If you check my personal social media feeds, you will see that Colossians 3 is listed as one of the things I try to live up to, and I could easily extend that to Colossians 4 uh, if I wanted to. I haven't yet, and I'm thinking about adjusting those lists. But for right now, let's go with Colossians 4. I'm going to start at verse 2 and read through verse 6. And I think as we think about this in terms of social media use, instead of just one-on-one use, instead of just inside the the small church where we work, uh, where we live, where we labor for the Lord, if we take that and think about our other relationships, I think this will adjust how we approach social media. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, stay alert in it with thanksgiving. And I'm reading the Christian Standard Bible. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. For while I am in chains, sorry, for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each question. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be alert in prayer with thanksgiving. Pray for others that God may open a door to the word to speak the mystery of Christ so that we may make it known as we should. Act wisely toward unbelievers. Make the most of your time. Speak always with grace so that you may know how you should answer each person. What does that guide me to do when I'm in social media? If I take verses two through six as a unit, If I take it as a paragraph, which in the CSB, it is listed as its own paragraph. If I take that and I look at it and I think about what does that mean? Be seasoned with salt so I know how I should answer. That to me connects all the way back to verse two, that we are to devote ourselves to prayer with thanksgiving. Pray that there would be the opportunity to share the word, the mystery of Christ. Pray that we would make that known. And do so toward outsiders and do it with grace. And that means we should also do it with each other. We should speak to one another with, uh, what does it say in chapter three? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? As we look at that, chapter 16, or sorry, chapter three, uh, verse 16, 17. Let the word of Christ dwell among you in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Those two things are connected together. Verses, chapter 4, verse 2 to 6, 
that is, that is, that is taking what we're to be doing with one another inside the body and now taking it in the context of the body that we're building each other up in faith. We're building each other up with grace and with, with encouragement, even in corrections. And now we take it to the outsider in chapter four. So chapter three, talking inside the church, chapter four. Now we're starting to take it outside of the church towards evangelism and towards reaching out and towards uh, being a part of the marketplace, being part of the larger community. And as we do that, we're to do it with grace. We're to speak with to grace to each other. We're supposed to speak the gospel to each other. And we're supposed to speak the gospel outside the church. Grace in and grace outside the church. It's amazing to me that so many believers do not think that they have to speak with grace, seasoning their words. I have been called the tone police, and this has come up several times in the last week or two uh, online that, that uh, folks are, are commenting that uh, it's okay to check someone's tone and to say, hey, you might want to be careful here. And it's really important, as one person I interacted with today pointed out, it's really important that we're consistent. And I think we need to be inconsistent, and I think it needs to be in this direction. We should be inconsistently looking at those who we agree with and checking our own tone and the tone of those who agree with us, then we should check the tone of those who disagree with us. So if I am reading someone's work and I disagree with it, I should not jump on them about their tone because then I'm not watching my own. I should watch my own tone. I should correct gently and lovingly. I should correct in a way that is not going to be offensive in and of itself. Even if the content of my words is pointing to the scripture and the scripture is being uh, con confronting them. It's being a, 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 a sandpaper against their skin, basically. Even if I'm correcting them, I need to do it in a way with grace that is not going to tear them apart, but it is going to show them who they are. So rather than hitting them with a baseball bat, I need to show them the mirror of scripture. And a similar thing happens along with uh, when we correct even inside of those who we agree with. We need to be careful about that. We should not go into somebody that's, that we agree with and rip them apart. We all know that. We're not going to do that for the most part because there's someone we agree with. Even if there's a great relationship there, we temper our words based on who we're talking to. And as I say the word temper there, what popped in my mind, I said the word that we're tempering, and my mind thought to forged in fire. And I think of the, the blacksmith and what they do, how they take molten metal, they get it really hot, they get it to the right temperature for the task they're doing, though. Because if they get it too hot, then it becomes brittle and it's going to break. And if they don't get it hot enough, then it's too soft and it's not going to accomplish the task they're trying to, to, to make it do. And as we, we think about as we are correcting someone else, we're not so much the blacksmith uh, that, that's going to be shaping them. The word should be what does that. But how we employ it is important. If it gets too hot and we allow a conversation to overheat, then we're going to all become brittle. Both sides of the conversation will. 
if we're going to correct someone and we come in and we correct with a heavy word to start with and we stay that way and we condemn, 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 we're going to be talking to a wall very shortly because our ears will turn off and they will turn hard. And now all we're doing is speaking to a brick wall or in the case of the, the analogy with the forge. Now we have is a, is we've overheated it. Now they've left the fire and now they're just a cold block of steel and they're not shaped yet. And they're not formed by our words because they've just shut us off. And I think about uh, even taking that back into Proverbs with that, that iron sharpens iron. And that I hear that so often brought up in social media, sometimes in good ways and sometimes in poor ways. And as I think about that, I, I, I go back and I think about when we sharpen iron with iron, we're scratching iron against iron. And yes, yeah, sparks are produced. But what else is happening? Both pieces are being honed and shaped, not just the one. Both pieces are affected. So if you're going to be ironed to someone else's iron and you're going to go in to sharpen them, then you need to be prepared and understand that you're likely also going to be sharpened. You need to be prepared to lose a few chips off of your own piece of steel if you're going to go work on someone else's. So if you're going into that to be the one doing the sharpening, are you the blacksmith or are you another piece of iron? Which is it? Because if you're another piece of iron, you too should be working with them. But if you're the blacksmith, you're wielding a hammer and you're smashing them against an anvil. Is that how we're supposed to treat each other? Is that devoting ourselves to prayer, being thankful? Is that us trying to find an open door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ? Is that acting wisely toward outsiders? Is that being gracious with our words? And so if we use this Colossians 4 passage as a, as, a, as a direction for us as we work with others and as we interact with others, as we seek uh, to follow after Christ, my goodness, there is so much that we miss by coming in heavy like that. If we go in and we are harsh, we're not doing what we're called to do. And I'm not trying to lay the law on you. I'm not trying to to uh, hit you over the head in this case. I'm not trying to be that anvil. What I want to say is simply we are to be humble with our words. That's right. We're to be humble with our words. Let's think of what it is that Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy. This is 611. But you, man of God, flee from these things. And the list of these things is immediately before. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Pursue being right with God. Pursue following after God's footsteps. Pursue belief and faith. Pursue love. What does that look like? That looks like being long-suffering, doesn't it? Pursue endurance, which is the same word that's used for patience here. And pursue gentleness. If we're coming in heavy as the hammer wielder, are we pursuing gentleness and endurance and love and faith and godliness and righteousness? Or are we pursuing instead to actually hammer someone into the law? Are we trying to force them to fit? Or are we encouraging them to faith? You know, as we read Paul, yeah, there's times where he hammers down and he, he drops an anvil on them. 
as you might say. I think of, of uh, what he says, especially in the early parts of the book of Corinth, uh, 1 Corinthians. He drops some pretty, pretty heavy uh, things at them. I think of what John writes as the, the Spirit leads him as he is uh, in his vision to the seven churches. There's some harsh things said there, but they're said not with a gotcha attitude, but they're said with just laying out what is. It's not about gotcha, which so often we want to say, oh, look, I caught you in that. It's not that I caught you in that. The question isn't that they're in sin. The question is, how can we better walk? How can we do this more like Christ? How can we do this more correctly? And I want to think also as we talk about that and and we look at tone, I'm going to spin the question around just a little bit. And, And it's not so much what we should not do. What should we do? Well, let's look at uh, sorry, Ephesians 4. This is verse 29. No foul language should come from your mouth. Well, foul language is a broad term. So let's see what it's contrasted with. But only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. So if our words are tearing down someone in need, and that it is not giving grace, then we are not living up to that verse. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not wanting to lay the law on you that says, if you do this, you're failing. No, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not trying to say that you're failing at this, and so you're just done. No, that's not what we do. What we do is we say, Christ says we are to walk after him, we're to walk worthy of him, and we're to do what he told us to do, which is to love one another. And he tells us even what that looks like, laying down our lives for each other. Even to our enemies, we should love them and pray for them. Um, Yeah, even to our enemies, we should lay ourselves down before them. That is hard to do, and we don't do it well. And then we get into a social media area where everything is ramped up and amped up, and we get excited and we we get our adrenaline going and now we're responding in quick and we're not watching our tone happens to me it has happened to me many times there are folks who have blocked me because of my sin against them of not being patient with my words there are places where i've put in jeopardy relationships with others where i've not been gentle and watched my words times where i have crossed over what is acceptable. And I have instead harmed others with my words. And that is not good. That is where I'm to walk back. That's where I'm to be more gentle. And I think also of that we're supposed to be maturing in Christ. We should be maturing. And so let's think about places where we're told uh, what those who are mature should look like. We think of the fruit of the Spirit. We think about the uh, aspects of the character of, of our elders and our deacons. I even think about what we're told in Titus 2, what the older men and the older women are to be. And I'm going to focus on the older men because of a specific phrase that's here. And I want to apply this to say that those who are in Christ are to be growing into these behaviors. To be self-controlled to be worthy of respect, to be sensible and sound in faith, in love, and endurance. 
sound in faith, sound in love, and sound in endurance. And again, that's the same word as patience. Other translations actually give us that word as patience. And I'm again using the CSB, so it, it, it uses endurance. Others use the word patience. Older men are to be self-controlled. Am I self-controlled as I'm using my social media? Not that I'm going to be pointing the fingers at other individuals. First, I have to look at me. As, as I've also said this week on social media, I have to make sure I've got the microscope on myself before I put the telescope on someone else. And I do that. I will recognize when someone else posts a bit of wisdom that's condemning to me. And I will often reply that I have failed that. And sometimes I'll even reply to the very person to whom I failed. If I can remember a specific case, I will. There is so much on Twitter that can get us into trouble. So much on Facebook that can get us into trouble. And we get into the debates and we get... We get anxious. We get hyped up. I feel my, I actually feel my adrenaline start pumping. I can feel the body changes that come with that. And I've said uh, before that it's really hard to hear well when your ears are buzzing, whether that's in anger, in frustration, whether your ears are buzzing in love, whether your ears are buzzing in whatever emotion we are in. If our ears are buzzing and we can't hear very well, are we being self-controlled? See, Titus, remember, Paul says in Titus that the older ones are to be self-controlled. Are we being self-controlled if we allow our ears to become buzzing and we maintain and stay in the same posture in that relationship? And the posture we take, uh, sorry, in that posture in a conversation, the posture we take in a conversation is, is, is it changes entirely the responses you get back. If you are being adversarial, you're going to get an adversarial response most of the time. If you are being, uh, instead of an adversary, if you're being a gentle corrective or a redirection or something along those lines, often that's what's going to happen. And folks, I fail here all the time. In my classroom, I struggle sometimes when a student pushes a button. There are certain things that cause me to get anxious, and I'm, I struggle with that sometimes. And I encourage you to think about places in, in physical, real life, as we call it, IRL life, uh, in, in, in real life, uh, the physical part of life where you're in the room with the person, if you, when you're on the phone phys- and talking to them on the phone, not where we're typing at each other. But in those situations, understand your body a little bit and, and feel for that idea of when you're getting anxious, when you're feeling it rise up in you. Because that's the time to take take the step to walk backwards and to walk away. For example, Second Timothy uh, chapter three verses one to five. But know this: hard times will come in the last days. We all know that, right? First, uh, for people will become lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people. Rather than turn that passage on others, let's turn it on ourselves. 
Lover of self? Lover of money? Do I boast? Am I proud? Do I demean others? Am I disobedient to my parents, even as an adult? Ungrateful, unholy, unloving. And this is the part that on social media is so easy to be unloving, to be not able to be reconciled, irreconcilable, to be a slanderer where we're talking of someone else's character and we destroy their character, that we don't have self-control, that we're brutal to one another. In other words, we're striking out with intent to harm and that we don't have love for what is good. Reckless, conceited. Man, there's some things there that that's tough stuff. I mean, that's that's stuff that hurts when it hits. If that's us and we're doing those things, let me say that again. If that's us and we're doing those things, we're not being ambassadors of reconciliation. If we're not reconcilable, we are not ambassadors of reconciliation. And sometimes when we get on social media, we want to find a place where we can turn off certain switches and get into other switches. And that tells me when I do that, that I'm not seeking the things I ought to seek. And remember, I'm pointing that at myself as much as I'm pointing it anywhere else. Pointing it at myself as much as I am anywhere else. It hurts. When you point, point the word at yourself and those things hit, it hurts. It's easy to do it. It is so easy to do it. Even this week, I've been in a couple of of big um, debates, conversations, long conversations. And as we get into those, how do we respond? How do we respond when someone else um, shows us who we've been to others? Do we respond and do so with humility, with patience, with kindness and gentleness? Those things that we hear so often, uh, that, that list of things that we get in Titus again comes back. It's a challenge. And I know we're not going to be perfect at this. And it's, that's not the intent of this uh, episode to cause you to, to sit there and go, oh, woe is me, I'm terrible. No, we all are growing in this. We are all learning. We're all learning how to season our words with salt. What does that mean even? Well, let's think about Mark 9. Salt is good, verse 50 says. But if the salt loses its flavor, how can you re-season it? And I added the re there. How can you season salt that's already lost its flavor? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. Am I trying to be a person of peace? Am I trying to be a person of peace online? Am I trying to be a person of peace in my social media? Am I trying to be a person of peace? Just period. Ouch. Because I don't often. In fact, I often am intentionally not being peaceful. 
I'm trying to make a comment that gets somebody else's attention. I'm trying to get them to turn their head and pay attention to me. I'm trying to even at times hurt them. And I've got to understand that. I've got to be able to look at myself and understand what it is that I've done. And I think one of the things we can do to help us with that is simply know when it is time for us to walk away from a situation. There are times when we don't need to be in that particular place. We don't need to be in the middle of that conversation. There are times in person where we know it's time to walk away. We're sitting in the, the cafeteria. Somebody at the table says something. We stand up and walk away, right? Or you're at, at, at a conversation and somebody goes to a place you don't think it should. You walk away. And uh, somebody on my timeline posted, reminder, social media is optional. If it's driving you crazy, take a break. And that's so true. Uh, and not only is that true, but there's even more to it than that. As we look at how we use our social media and what we get into, we, we see things uh, that cause us to look at ourselves and go, who am I? Why did I do that? Why did somebody else do that? What's going on with them? And we can't get our perspective of them. If we have gotten to the point where we can't hear others charitably, we need to move elsewhere. And as the, the second Timothy three, three passage, we got to verse five there. And what did it said? Avoid these people, right? Oh, it said, avoid these people. That means that Paul is telling us that block and mute are okay to use at times. What? I just said that block and mute are okay to use. Sometimes if someone gets your blood boy going so much that you can't have a good conversation with them, you need to not try at least for a while. You need to step away. You need to consider yourself and check yourself and make sure that the relationship is, is mended. If you can at least apologize for your wrongdoing, if it's there. And then maybe you agree to not talk. I, I had a disagreement with a brother this week where uh, for the third or fourth time, we got a little heated in the middle of it and should have walked away both of us earlier and actually sent an apology to him and a confession to him saying that. And we've agreed to mute each other for the time being until we can cool down. And then we're going to sit and we're going to talk it out a little bit and then move forward. It happens. We have places where we need to reconcile. We have places where we need to chill. That's okay. There is so much good we can do with social media. And I want to end with that. I want to end with what it is that we can use social media to do in a positive sense rather than harping, which I know I've done a little bit, on what we're not doing well. So let's think about what are the things we can do with social media that are beneficial. Is it okay to share your struggles? Absolutely. In fact, that's one of the good things we can do is be real people. One of the folks I enjoy following, uh, he just lays it out for real. He says, what's going on? Another person I really enjoy following posts every once in a while. He's a pastor and he posts, hey folks, Mondays are bad for pastors. Here's some of the things we hear. He's not complaining. He's trying to drive us to prayer and to realize 
that we need to support our pastors. We can edify one another. And so many of you uh, that are Twitter followers of mine or Facebook followers, uh, there are a great many of you that are aware of Donna G, who, as the kindness ninja, uh, the mother of all, the den mother of all anonymous accounts, uh, she did so much good on Twitter and Facebook. Rarely would she get into a discussion, and she would, and she would get heated at times with folks, and she would be to the point with them, but not in a way that was demeaning, not in a way that was harsh or, or mean. And her kindness and her love and her checking up on folks made a difference. It bettered the place where she was. She made a difference by being kind. And when she died, so many folks changed their avatars. I mean, I was finding folks that I had never followed before or seen. Hundreds and hundreds of folks did that. And then others were posting how much of a difference she had made. And it is amazing the difference that those few tweets do. And they do change the temperature and the tone. Folks that do those kinds of things, that, that speak kindness intentionally with their accounts. There are those who take the opportunity to say funny things. Uh, and make jokes. Church curmudgeon is an account that I would I would point out as one that causes us to laugh. We it, and it's done sometimes in a self-deprecating way, and sometimes there's a point to it. Sometimes there's a corrective in it, but it's done in a way that's disarming to being angry toward it. It's done in a way that has a gentleness about it. That yes, I'm correcting you, but let's look at this in a funny way so that we can see the error and move on, and that we can learn from it. May not be his intention, but it does a great job of it. There are so many other accounts that are just like that. So one of my great friends on Twitter who has left Twitter because of the temperature of Twitter uh, used to post funny puns all the time. And those are things that help change the tone of Twitter and keep it uh, somewhere, something that is enjoyable to be on. Can we do that on our social media? Not necessarily all the time. We don't definitely don't want to just be a one-hit pony where it's all edification or all complaining or all jokes. There needs to be a human. We need to be human with each other. We need to, to have our emotions. It's okay to do that. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be happy. It's also important that we walk along each side each other when those things are true. When I see someone hurting, it's good for me to send them a private prayer message where I'm praying for them and let them know how I'm praying for them. Those, those things show up. That is speaking with salt, right? That is building someone up who's in need. Those are the things we need to be doing. And I think the last thing I'm going to mention on this particular episode is that it's, it's working toward the end. It's, Pressing on was another conversation that I had a lot. Press on. Press on to the goal. What's the goal? To look like these scriptures. Why? Because these are what Christ looks like. Not to be someone who gets a reputation. Not to be someone who earns a reputation. Not to be someone who gets lots of friends. Not to be someone to get attention. Not to earn me some points with God. Not to earn points with my pastor. Not to earn points with my wife. But just because... 
I see who Christ is and how wonderful he is. And it says the end of a matter is better than its beginning. This is Ecclesiastes 7, 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. And a patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. The proud spirit often says, look where I am. The patient spirit is often looking at, look where I'm going. And as we take that and we take the microscope off of ourselves and put it in the the telescope for others. A patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. Rather than be proud about how I compare to them, I should be patient as they grow as well. And that leads me to the final thing that we should be doing as we use our social media. And that is we should always be seeking in prayer to have the words to speak the gospel to somebody who's in need. To lift up the words of life and to post those on social media in front of someone's eyes, whether they're having the world's best day or the world's worst day, the words of life. Sometimes that means we need to give them a corrective, but many times what we need to do is say, there's something better. There's Jesus. Here's the gospel. Why is it that I do this? Because Christ is so good. Christ is so perfect. His love is so wonderful that he saw me in my sin and came to die for me. And as we use our social media, as we speak to each other and to others that are inside or outside the camp, we should be speaking those sorts of words. And I know it's not going to be every word that comes out of your mouth, but we should be pointing there regularly. And many of us do those things. Many of us do all of these things. It's not everybody who's uh, just rude on social media. It's not everybody, but it's a lot. There are so many that do. And what I've seen and what I've witnessed is that those who are kind and gentle have an effect on those who are not. And over time, those who are harsh can be softened. The end of the matter is better than the beginning. Are they softening to the gospel? Are they softening to the gospel imperatives, the things that say, as Christ was and as Christ is, as he walked on this earth and as he reigns with the Father, we are called to walk in those ways. And as we do that, others will see and we pray others will be saved and we pray others will follow the example. What is it Paul says in one of the letters? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And shouldn't that be one of the things we do? Isn't that be, isn't that being self-controlled? Isn't that being someone who is seeking the good of others, which is what we're called to do? And so I leave you with that, that the end of the matter is better than the beginning. And to remember, we are all in process. And with that, I pray 
that as you meditate on what we've talked about and, and, and look through the word and seek for confirmation elsewhere, don't just take my word. I only mentioned a few verses. There are all sorts of places to find these things. But seek out ways to share the love of Christ, not just in carrying burdens, because that is an important way, but it's not the only way, but to demonstrate the love of Christ through what he has done as well. And folks, with that, I want to say have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Simmering Thoughts. You can join the conversation by emailing us at simmeringthoughts at gmail.com. You could also find us on Facebook at Simmer Thoughts, where we have a page and a discussion group. We'd love to hear from you there. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Simmer Thoughts. You can find past episodes of Simmering Thoughts on a variety of podcast catchers, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share Simmering Thoughts with your friends. We hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of Simmering Thoughts.